Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. where we're at today i burnt a fucking pizza that is where we're at today <laughs> whatever this is all going yeah. in i don't mm-hmm. even care welcome back to scar for life oh shit no welcome back to little cut see it has been a fucking day y'all our weekly mini so where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently i'm dead i'm terry hello i'm mary beth i'm also dead um this week we're talking about some murderous siblings some murderous dolls some murderous spouses and some murderous just one of those days y'all i just want to say i literally tried to mute myself because i was coughing because it again has been that week and what do i do i hit stop recording so hello i don't know what all was recorded but i'm pretty sure you got the intro but just in case not we are talking a lot of murder y'all talking lots of murder (laughs) we are talking lots and lots of murder um 
I want to ask about these murderous dolls real quick, though. Okay, so the uh, the Chucky series is oh, been heard great things. Yes, it's been airing on uh, Sci-Fi and I th- and I think USA. I think it's on both. Oh yeah, I've seen the first episode and I really dug it. I'm really curious to see what how they're going to handle this because like it feels sort of like. A reboot in some ways, because it's like the doll that opens up with this kid finding this doll at a yard sale. The doll, of course, is Chucky. He goes home and the- and Chucky starts immediately being Chucky. <laughs> but like, I know that in a way it's like a sequel to the seven movies that have come before. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's going to get really wild and weird. And I'm really excited for that. Uh, so because of that, because of this this show, that's not what I wanted to talk about today. I re- rewatched Curse of Chucky. Oh, Have you seen Curse of Chucky? Mm-hmm. I like only saw the first Child's Play. I'm not a big okay. I don't dislike. There's no dislike of Chucky. I just never really got into it. But I want to see Bride of Chucky. Oh. I, like all of like, especially the new ones. So the newer ones seem to be, or some of them need to seem to be good. I don't know. Um, I love all of the ones from Bride onward. Uh, and Curse of Chucky was sort of in a way kind of another rebirth of it where it kind of takes it back to its horror roots mm-hmm. uh, instead of being more of the kind of satire kind of parody that I think it be- it became between Bride and Seed. And so it's about this woman uh, in a wheelchair who has been living with her mom and her mom's been kind of taking care of her and she's been kind of taking care of her mom. And then her mom receives a package with a good a good guy doll in it. Uh, Chucky, and then she ends up dead uh, in a way that looks like it's suicide. And so then her family, her sisters, the the girl, the woman, her name is Nika, her sister and her sister's husband and her au pair and their daughter come to the place for the funeral. And then Chucky starts picking them off one by one. And what feels like a reboot is actually a continuation of the story in some really fun and surprising ways. I... It was a lot of fun to revisit this one. Uh, I haven't seen it since, gosh, it came out in 2013, so I haven't seen it since then. And it was, um, it was a pleasant rewatch. Cool, I have to say. And it was, it's set in this one location in this mansion, this kind of like old Victorian mansion that gives off these like gothic vibes, and it has a very hammer esque, I would, I would say, feel to it in a way that oh. the previous ones do not. Oh, really? But it was a lot of fun. Huh. Yeah. Many, it was really good to revisit. How many Chucky movies are there? Many? <laughs> seven? Okay. Seven. Okay. Yeah, not including the remake, there are seven. Because okay. there's one through three, and then there's Bride, Seed, Curse, and then Cult. Oh, Cult. I forgot about Cult of Chucky. Wow. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of those movies. Holy shit. There really are. And, you know, it's a queer creator, queer okay. writer, queer director fucking love it here for it i'm very his, it. this is his baby and he's he's been with it from the beginning and i love that for him Me and too. i love that for us seriously i love that he's still so involved with everything about chucky keeps it like uh or what no go ahead i forgot what i was saying it's fine <laughs> that's it just flew out of my brain Boop. so Pew. okay uh what about these <laughs> murderous siblings <laughs> So I watched Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And, yeah. um, you know, I saw the original, the or not original, the uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, and I did not like it at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. well, everyone says that 2 is like 
some kind of <laughs> masterpiece, I guess. <laughs> so I decided, all right, well, I'll just I'll watch it. Fuck it. It's <laughs> Halloween season. I'm trying to watch all the Halloween movies like in rapid succession. So I started there. What the fuck? I have not seen it, so I don't honestly know what the fuck. But uh, I have heard, I mean, I saw your image that you post on Twitter, and I've heard people talk about the image that you posted on Twitter. And I, everything I hear about this feels like it's a fever dream. But what what is this one about? So, okay. So this is, this takes place, I think, two, three, four years, or two years after the events of the first movie, which is when Michael attacks Lori and she this is like this is like her like PTSD like survivor story like she's living like she's alive and like what is it what does her life look like now that she is um has survived this trauma and so, and her her friend Annie has also survived she is the daughter of Sheriff Brackett as we all know who Sheriff Brackett is and they all like live together in this like weird little like sad house <laughs> <laughs> um they think that Michael is dead. He's not. But also, they so the whole the whole thing is we know that Lori is his sister in the, both movies, but she finds out in this movie, mm. and so it's all about like her trying to like reckon with her childhood and Michael coming back to get her to reunite them because Michael is seeing his mother, who is played by Sherry Moon Zombie, and the mother has a horse. And she's like, we have to spill blood so we can all be together again. You have to go get Lori. It's a whole, what? it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, I don't get when people think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> Scout Taylor Compton's performance is terrible mm. as Lori. I didn't think, I don't think I watched the director's cut and I heard the director's cut makes her seem better. But still, like they give Lori like dreadlocks to show that she is suffering which is like so fucking stupid and i don't know i just don't i don't get the rob zombie halloweens i don't like them i didn't have a good time (laughs) i just don't i don't understand i I don't understand it and like if you like it i know a lot of people do good on you happy for you great i don't get it but here i am I mean, I'm happy to hear you say that because I never checked it out. I, I think I actually do think I own the uh, I think the Chow Factory put it out. I don't know, remember who did, but the whole set of Halloween movie or yeah, Halloween movies, even though I have literally only seen a handful of them and I've never watched it because I just I absolutely hated Halloween. Rob Zombie's Halloween absolutely hated it. <laughs> but again, I'm also not. I like Rob Zombie's music, but I don't think he's a very good film director. I don't like his movies. And I feel bad saying that because everyone on Twitter seems to like dig a lot of what he does, particularly Lords of Salem, which I've not seen because again, it's not fool me once. You know, I watched uh, House of Thousand Corpses, hated it. Watched Halloween, hated it. Watched Three from Hell, uh, didn't hate, but didn't love. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Yeah, and like I, I've only seen so I've seen House of a Thousand Corpses. I've seen Lords of Salem. I didn't mind House of a Thousand Corpses, Lords of Salem, eh. and then I saw both of his Halloweens, and I just don't get it. He's not for me. Yeah. He's just not for me. Yeah, not for me. Too 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 edge lord for me. Mm. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. 
So, I mean, I'm glad I've seen it. I'm glad I can at least, like, kind of understand what people are talking about now when they talk about that movie because, holy shit. I will I will say, I do appreciate that Zombie did kind of just, like, say, I don't know, let me just fucking throw my, like, balls to the wall. And I'm like, all right, like, it's pretty outrageous. And, like, I can kind of respect that, like, absolutely just, like, don't give a fuck bat shit crazy stuff. Um, yeah. With Michael, but just, like, Laurie's character is, like, inexcusably terrible. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i usually don't have to be like, not like super negative and like i don't want to be like an asshole hater but just like i couldn't it just wasn't it wasn't it so but yes so i yeah that is what i that was my big my big watch this week um murderous couples yeah okay so if you guys haven't seen you season one or two and want and don't want to be spoiled on how season three i'm not gonna really talk much about plots of season three but if you don't want to know how it it's weird talking about a show that's like three seasons in because it's like you're obviously going to talk about spoilers about the previous two seasons but Mm. uh yeah so you season three i am about halfway through and i'm really digging it you've not watched you before right no so i was not wanting to watch it because I was like, I don't want to watch a movie or a show about a, a creepy stalker boy. But I've heard it's it's good. I know since then I have heard good things about it. But it got me kind of not wanting to watch it when I first heard about it. I mean, that is absolutely fair. And the people's uh, people's people's reaction to uh, how hot Penn Badgley is to the point where Penn Badgley is like, yo, maybe don't sexualize a, a murderer. I love that he comes out and says that because – that's absolutely what people have been doing because he, I, Penn ba- Badgley, he's a hot man. He's very attractive. I get it. But like the character of Joe is not a pleasant person. And I completely understand people not wanting to watch a show that puts him as in front and center as the, the main character. I wouldn't call him a protagonist, but he's the main character. Yeah. And I, I mean, for those that don't know, it's he's it's this man who becomes transfixed by a woman and starts stalking her. And you are with him the entire time. He, it's like in his head. He has a monologue. And the I think that what the show does do well is it sort of like undercuts all of his pompousness where he he kind of talks about like how he's in love with this person and how he's so obsessed with them. And then like his monologue just sort of adds this sort of like yeah this this guy's a giant tool he's a, he's a horrible person uh by the third movie he has found someone that is his equal um in terms of like she is also murderous mm-hmm. and he's married to her and has a kid and is now living in suburbia oh yeah and so it's like there's this one really funny i'm going to spoil one little kill in, in the early episodes there's one really funny part because she has it, the his his love interest who is ugh named love her name is love uh is played by victoria pedretti from uh haunting of hill house House. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 in blind manor and she is able to just sort of let shit fly on this and she is very impulsive and there's one point where uh this guy her their son gets sick with measles and they find out that one of the next door neighbors kids they they're an anti-vaxxer and when she finds out that that this guy caused all of this grief in her family, she kills him. Well, she doesn't kill him. She knocks him on the head and then he ends up dying later on in the episode. But like she is completely impulsive in her 
murderous outrage. Although like the people that she kills, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't blame you in the context of the, of the show. I don't blame yeah. you. So I, I mean, it's a, uh, it, it walks that uneasy balance of like, they're interesting characters, but they're also absolutely horrible. But then by the season three, everyone that is around them is equally horrible. So it's, it's sort of not going to be for everyone, but I find it incredibly enthralling to watch. And there's a lot of twists cool. and turns. So that's currently on on Netflix, and it's a wild ride. Hmm. Cool. I want to. I've wanted to watch it, and I've heard good things about season three mm-hmm. on Twitter. I'm really enjoying so. it so far. I really enjoyed season two. Uh, season one, I thought was fine. Uh, season two is where things really started to pick up for me personally, mm-hmm. and then season three so far okay. has been just a lot of fun. And Shalita cool. Grant is in it, who I absolutely love. She was. Uh, she played. Um, um, an important role in the third season of Search Party, and she was my favorite part of that season of Search Party. Uh, okay. And she's in this, and she is just absolutely uh, perfect. Caster and everything. I love Shalita. Cool. So yeah, that was my murderous spouses. Now we got murderous friends. <sighs> yeah. What What did you think of Larry Fessenden's Beneath? Huh. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> Um, did not expect it to be so nihilistic. Yeah. And so bleak. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, same. I, I mean, so the, the premise is, is really basic. It's about six high school seniors who are celebrating graduation and they go out to this lake. Uh, one of them knows that there's something weird about the lake, but doesn't tell anyone. And he's thinking that they're just going to, you know, boat across it to the other land and set up camp and whatnot. But then one of them decides to jump in the water. They end up getting attacked by a man-eating fish. And then they start killing each other? Is, is that? <laughs> yeah, that about tracks. They they go Lord of the Flies really fucking quick. Really fucking quick. Like, really, really fast. I I I liked it a lot. Um, okay. I got really frustrated with a lot of the people, a lot of the characters. Mm. But what I liked was like Larry Fessenden always has this like kind of very like cinema verite style to a lot of his work, and I liked that a lot here in terms of portraying teenagers. At first, it got a little bit not so <laughs> teenagery towards like the middle and end. But like I kind of liked how he had the character like, characterize these teenagers and like. Shut and how he had them interacting as friends, and I loved like that the initial interactions with them and kind of establishing their friendships. But then, like, and then it got really it started getting dark very quickly, and I got frustrated a couple times where I was like, "Why didn't you just tell them that there was something in the water?" And like, I I was expecting the Johnny, the guy who knows like there's something in the water. I was expecting him to be like, I brought you all here because fuck you. And was like mm-hmm. going to act, like was going to feed them to the thing. Was disappointed when that was not the fact, was that that's <laughs> not, not accurate. But I was overall impressed at how Larry Fessenden was able to shoot like an hour and a half movie that was pretty intense on the rowboat in the middle of a little lake. Like, on it a was rowboat really, in a lake. Yeah, it's really fucking impressive. And like for the budget that it has, the fish is really cool. Like it's a practical effects giant fish. Like I'm impressed. it's really awesome. It's really impressive. I was actually really impressed at the the effects work with with the fish because mm-hmm. like um I, I mean, you know, you you it's practical effects. It's low budget and yet 
I think it looks as good as Jaws. At least yeah. on par, a movie that we all love. It's got a lot of those good moments, like with like the fish coming out of the water, and you can mm-hmm. see the whole map. Like it, lo- it, it is a fish. Like it's not mm-hmm. some like shitty CGI abomination. It's like an actual creature that they made, and I think that really helps the movie feel all the more intense. Like when you see it's f- swimming towards them, like it's an actual fin. It's not a shitty CGI mm-hmm. fin, and so it just adds that to that tension really well. And again, yeah. like, I was really impressed with how, like, the effects and, like, what they were able to do with this film, like, with the low-budget creature feature, aquatic horror creature feature, is something I didn't really, like, think I would enjoy. But hey, yeah. here we are. You know, I liked how you mentioned that uh, Larry is really good at making that sort of cinema verite. Because one of the notes that I did take is one of my favorite scenes was from the very beginning of the movie where they're moving the boat. And it's such a small <gasps> scene. Oh, my God. About that scene too. That's so funny. I, I literally took a note about the scene of the moving the boat is one of the small scenes that Larry is so well at establishing. It's very naturalistic. Was my note, and I just love the sort of natural way that the these these people are interacting and moving the boat, and they they're not good at it, so they're like moving back and, and grabbing it, yeah. and like it's just it, it's such a small scene, but it was it's a one that has that stuck out in my mind this entire this entire watch and still to today. I I love that scene. <laughs> Yeah, I did too. I was really struck by that scene about like how it was really pre- like them switching spots for me was just yes. like it, it's so small, but it's so like he didn't have to show that, but he did, and it's like yeah. it really adds to that kind of the layering of these characters and like their literal strengths, but like also kind of like their relationships in a really subtle, interesting way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was really impressed by that because I think it sets up a lot of stuff for later in the movie when everyone starts getting at each other's throats like very quickly yeah my my first one of the first notes i took is because one of the one of the uh, characters one of the people dies real really early and they're having a debate about what to do with their body and i just and i wrote a note mary beth if we're ever stranded on a lake and i die please feed my body to the fish and use it to escape yes yeah me too do not argue over it yeah don't worry about my don't worry about a beer burial i'm already dead just feed me it's fine it's totally fine yeah, i also same. love it slash hate how the film nerd in so many movies is an absolute Such sexist gross and he's sitting there filming while everyone is working their asses off and i'm just like Ugh. why so why I are lo- you I, gr- that's griffin newman um mm-hmm. he's in the t- he, and i love griffin newman like he i think he's so funny but i love him in this i because the things i've seen him in he's like kind of the nerdy funny guy and in this like, he's a nerdy guy but he's an asshole like he, is, he really is he is terrible but he's really good at it like he's plays I, I want more characters or griffin newman where he can be an asshole because he's a really good asshole in this movie like i was i was ready for them to throw him overboard i was like feed that fucker to the fish i don't need to hear him anymore <laughs> But he has a GoPro on his wrist, which is so funny. But there are moments that are, like, found footage, which is so mm-hmm. cool. Like, there's a moment, especially um, at one point where you're in the water that I think is really cool. That has, like, the a found, like, found footage element because you're seeing it through the lens of the, the GoPro. Um, so there are some really interesting moments like that. And, of course, it's the usual, like, he's shooting everyone's ass and is like, hello, let me see your butt. Like, haha, And I'm like... If I, if any friend of mine ever spoke to me like that, I would never talk to them again. Uh, same. Like, like get the fuck away from me. I don't understand <laughs> how people like this are friends. Like, I don't, I don't, halfway through the movie, I'm like, is this, is this what 
friendship is for some people because I would not be friends with any of these. Any of these people. Know. No, they're all terrible. Also, like the fact that they all. It, it's like not uncommon in friend groups people to date, but just like Johnny mm-hmm. being hung up on Kitty still, and like <laughs> that's all very weird. I was like, again, that's why I was like, he's going to kill all of them in the lake. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and like before I found out that they were brothers, there's a moment in the car where the guy's looking at uh, the the jock and, and Kitty making out, and it almost looked like he was jealous of her yes and then i was like oh they're brothers i'm like there's that's a weird dynamic there it's fine (laughs) it's fine don't worry about it it's fine i do have to say i was surprised to look up some of the reviews for this movie and horror people did not like this movie really Mm mm-hmm uh yeah. I remember looking on letter where did you look? Um well I looked on it has a low score in Rotten Tomatoes and I was looking on Wikipedia and Yeah, I looked on Letterboxd. Reviews aren't great. Uh a couple people that we know like like liked it, but most people think it's terrible. I don't think it was terrible. I think I think the script was a little rough. The script was rough. I think there were some things where I was like, huh. But I had fun. No, I I think it's it's shot well. I think there are there are certain scenes like that we talked about with with the boat in the beginning and I think the the fish itself is is really well done for an independent film that was made for a million dollars if that. I just I Can I read you this letterbox review? Please do. A big fish is a metaphor for the secrets and lies we keep hidden beneath the surface. I fell asleep for a bit, and when I awoke, I'd piss myself. That's my secret shame. Come and eat me, slightly oversized fish. I deserve it. <laughs> okay, that review wins. What, how many stars was it? One. Just one. A, just a single star. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even fault it. That is that. Bravo. No. That is that bravo. is a review. Yeah. Anyway. Just thought you would enjoy that one. It was a good one. I do. That's hilarious. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are saying it's annoying. Yeah, I can see that. Some of the dialogue was not great. I think it's a better film movie choices. than it was written. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It definitely was more, yeah. And that felt like the vibe. He was like, look, I can make an aquatic horror movie on a low budget. Who gives a shit about the, <laughs> the dialogue? Look what I, what I could make it. And you're like, yeah, you're right. You did yeah, that. Yeah, so... And and the script was written by Tony Daniel and Brian D. Smith, and it sounds like he greatly revised the script, removing several flashback scenes in an attempt to keep the drama within the claustrophobic boat. And I get that from like a filmmaking perspective, but I am curious if the flashbacks help because they do sort of go from zero to sixty incredibly fast, considering they're on a boat <laughs> so- in a lake. <laughs> lake and like they seem like they're good friends and all of a sudden they're like "Ah, no all of a sudden it's just like like, (laughs) my favorite was when they finally realized they could chop up the wood in the boat to use as oars (laughs) yes like you've already killed like half of their of your friends and you just realized that you could do that hilarious you all want to secretly kill each other which really i mean like all high school student friend groups want to all kill each other at any given point so like i guess (laughs) This is a metaphor for high school <laughs> I am curious. There's a comic uh, that explores the backstory behind the fish and another group that the giant fish attacked in the 1960s. Oh. 
I bet that oh. would be interesting. I bet that would be interesting. Yeah, I want to know where the, I want to know more about the fish. I loved him. I loved him. He's a good chunky fish. boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> just hungry. He's just hungry. Hasn't eaten in so long. You'd be too if you're a cat, giant catfish in a lake. I mean, what else are you going to be eating? There's probably not a whole lot to knob on. Knob on? Knob on. Wow. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Doing great. <laughs> Doing fine, y'all. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I- I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad I finally yeah. watched it. Um. Okay, so... For our next Little Cuts, what are we doing, Mary Beth? We are doing Underwater. Yeah, we are. From 2020. And in our aquatic horror with uh, one of the last really good ones. I know. I'm very excited to revisit this one. I really had a fun time. I saw it in theaters, so I'm excited to watch it. So Me too. I haven't seen it since the theaters. Neither have I. And then who are we talking to on Monday? So we are chatting with uh, writer, podcaster, and filmmaker Josh Corngut, And we are taking it back to 1998 and the faculty and the thing living on top of uh, Josh Hartnett's head. The thing living on top of Josh Hartnett's head. What a good movie. I think it's what it should have been called. It should have (laughs) been. Um, so, so listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies that we should talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe because it has been a minute. Please. Uh, Thank you, Eric Power, for our artwork. Thank you, Sean Keller, for our music. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time, stay away from those fish. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. 
Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.